Welcome everyone to the Switch RPG Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gio, and I'm joined as always by Johnny. How's it going, Johnny? Hey, hey. it's going good. It's going good. That's great. If this is your first time listening, this is the show from SwitchRPG.com where we bring you the latest in the world of RPGs on the Nintendo Switch. This week, we are discussing the most recent Nintendo, um, I'm sorry, the Pokemon presentation, as well as the Monster Hunter Showcase that they was also recently done. And it's also the Nintendo Switch's birthday, fourth birthday. And we have something a little special planned for that as well. And we happy have... Happy birthday! Hey, happy birthday! <laughs> All right. Uh, but first, what have you been playing? Uh, not a whole lot. Not a whole uh, lot. Not a whole lot. I finished playing Death Stranding the... and beat that. That and... is one weird, weird game yes it is <laughs> it is weird it is a, a walking delivery simulator it's got stealth and third person action shooter mechanics too which is also weird uh i really like that game really i i, I have no clue why i really like it <laughs> the story is really good there's it's it's weird too it's it, it's really good but really weird uh, okay I just really enjoyed it and the whole just picking up like a delivery to make, right? You're, it's UPS the game. Uh, and then like <laughs> looking at the map, <laughs> figuring out what the best route is, and then like actually going and looking at the terrain. You hit a button and it sort of like shows you the terrain and how difficult some parts of the terrain is versus others and just looking at it. And then you have to worry about like your balance of cargo that you're holding on to. And if you like trip or fall, which can happen multiple times and will happen, your cargo can get damaged. So you have to like worry about that. So you have to like best deliver this cargo to the end destination while not only is the terrain and the weather working against you, but then there's like a bunch of other stuff that works against you. It, it is such a weird, weird game. I've never played another game like it. Okay, and so that's why, I, that's why I like it. Aside the fact that it is a delivery service game, how is the atmosphere? Because when I hear Kojima is involved in it, and I know obviously he is involved in it and what he's done in the past, how is it atmospherically? Does it have his vibe? All over it. Yeah, All okay. It. Big time. This is this well, that's is like good, right? Kojima's biggest Kojima game. Like, there's fourth wall breaking stuff. There's I don't know, uh, like metaphorical. There's certainly metaphorical stuff that's uh, relative, potentially relative to like real world stuff uh, okay. in numerous ways. Uh, who knows if any of that is intentional or not? But knowing Kojima, it might it, very well be like foresight. It, and yeah, it's always always intentional. People say the same thing with like some. For example, in movies where things, oh, is that they like these directors and movies, and I'm sure Kojima, they think of everything. Yeah, and uh, I'm not a Kojima fan, but I really enjoyed this game. It's not, I don't think it deserves 
game of the year for the year it came out. But seeing all the other games that came out during that year and uh, game of the year going to games like Sekiro, uh, I can actually see like, yeah, okay, it does deserve game of the year uh, in certain situations. Would I have voted a game of the year? I don't know. Maybe. Because, mm. man, it's just weird. I, I haven't played that kind of experience before. That's, that's the main reason why. Okay. Like, if I give it game of the year for the year it came out, it's yep. because it delivered on intended <laughs> <laughs> an experience that I have I have never had before in gaming. Okay. It's definitely not something I'll ever even see myself playing. Yeah. Uh, mo- for a couple of reasons, the PlayStation Four aspect, like I need to have one. Uh, so I I can't even play it. But again, it just doesn't interest me. I so wish he was doing like the Metal Gear and stuff and the Silent Hill stuff, but uh, it's not... definitely better than Metal Gear. Yeah, and, and I I've played multiple Metal Gears and own like I played a little bit of four and just could not finish that. Uh, went through most of five, beat the first one, uh, the remake on GameCube, which was pretty awesome. Like this is. Probably Kojima's best work. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I just don't know how we feel about that. Um, I, I I just, like, I don't know. What 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 was building up in terms of uh, that PT, that playable trailer or teaser or whatever he was doing with Silent Hill, I would just would much rather have that experience than what, oh, what it's happened. It's, it's got that kind of... It's got horror in this game too. Yeah. It's 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 like a weird mixed bag of like a whole bunch of stuff and it, it it's a weird I can't explain the experience. It, it's an experience unlike any other. It's a world that is unlike any other. It's horror, it's uh it's got um uh what's that war movie uh Apocalypse Now. It's got mm. Apocalypse Now vibes like crazy. It, it's got like World War 1 elements in there. It is <laughs> it is all over the place. All over the place. Okay. <laughs> it's so weird. It is so so weird. Uh it, it oddly enough, it's got similarities storytelling wise uh to Bloodborne. Okay. Like, yeah, so it and it actually a lot of it makes sense. It's very well detailed. There's lots of lore. Um, I I can't really say anymore. It's definitely a game where you're either going to uh, really dig it and potentially love it, or it just won't be for you. It, it's one of those games. It's very it's one of the polarizing type of games. Out there. Yeah. And I think another one of my issues with it, I, I hate when when you have like real life people playing in video playing in video games, for some reason that really irks me and bothers me. Like Norman Reedus is a playable character. I, I don't know, uh, and and I get that he was in you know at the end of the PT thing, but and it probably would have bothered me then. I just for whatever reason it just it totally bothers me. Oh, uh, he's he's not the only real world person. Oh, and, and you're right. Yeah, no, there there are other actors in there as well. And I I'm I saw the same or I see the same thing in uh, Cyberpunk 2077 with Keanu Reeves. Anytime he's on the screen, I'm like, oh, why, <laughs> why is Neo in my game? I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't get like the motion capture and stuff like that. It's great, but I don't I don't get why to use uh, certain characters. I guess it's you it's can tell money. like. You could tell Kojima, well, I don't think it's money because Kojima put in 
it, it seems like he put in like people he wanted to work with, did work with, uh, or was just friends with. Because um, uh, what's the person that runs Game Awards? Greg oh, Keeley, right? Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff Keeley. Jeff Keeley. Yeah. He's in the game. Yeah, <laughs> that's a friend, right? right and, exactly. and that's and that's why and that's why I think during the Game Awards, like a lot of people had problems with it because he's in the game <laughs> you know what i yeah. mean that's yeah. a that's an issue yeah so it it's weird uh i really dig it i i might i'd have to think long and hard whether it, it would be my game beer for that year but yeah man, was really good uh and then um i played a little bit with uh pyra and mithra in smash brothers that was a new dlc character that got added in there uh, so i yeah. played a bit of smash uh just really fun to play with uh, not too much in the way of like resembling the mechanics of Xenoblade Two. Um, it's more so like visually, it 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 reflects how you play in Xenoblade Two, but gameplay wise, it doesn't really line up. Uh, but it's not a disappointing uh, pair of characters. It's it's a cool set of characters. Just uh, uh, it's. It's just good. So that, that was fun. And then, uh, oh, and they also added in like a bunch of Xenoblade soundtrack stuff and and all that. So all the extra Xenoblade 2 stuff that they added in, awesome. And Rex mm-hmm. is in there just as a taunt. So every yeah, now and then. Rex is in there. Is Poppy in there as well? Like there's a bunch of other characters in there. They, yeah, they show up in the background on the okay on the level, which takes place on uh, Gramps's uh, back or whatever. Okay. The, the big cool. form, the flying form of, of Gramps, the tech yeah, form. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, just been playing my board game, just like testing it oh, against okay. myself. Against uh, yourself. Against myself. <laughs> as, at, some, against myself. at some point, I'll, I'll have to get over there and, and help you out with that. And you definitely need like more than yourself, for sure, for uh, people to would, get over there. Yeah, that would be uh, real good. Uh, okay. So that's what I've been playing. Okay. What have you been playing? Oh, I'm so glad that you have asked me. <laughs> um, uh, if you follow, again, if you follow along on the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash switch RPG, uh, you'll know that I'm playing CrossCode as well as Bravely Default 2. Uh, Bravely Default 2 is, um, is, is pretty good. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, it's not spectacular. I, I mean, but it's fairly standard in terms of if you've played the first one, you'll know what to expect. I think they um, they may have helped a lot of people in terms of grinding. Uh, you still there's still that grinding, and some people don't mind it. Some people do. Uh, they did help you along with that if you have Nintendo. I I don't know if you need a Nintendo Online, but you definitely need friends on your list. And I don't I don't remember if you you can do that without Nintendo Online. Anyway, How does that work? Uh, basically, you're you're not playing along with people. You're just the more friends you have on your list, the there's a mechanic in the game, and I'm not spoiling anything because you get it very, very early, where you send Seth, the protagonist, on a um, a trip, a boating trip. And he essentially is just looking for treasures and going to your friends list, basically. And um, you're attaining treasures, gold. Uh, basically, the treasures are XP boosts. Uh, so you'll get job point boosts, you'll get HP, uh, XP boosts, you'll get... Uh, certain attribute boosts so again they're they're helping you along with that and it's almost it's a totally you don't have to do it at all but it definitely helps you out in the terms of um, 
not having to grind as much. Right. Uh, and, so, and that's on that's on top of the uh, speed up, right? Where you can make the game run like double or four yeah, times. Yes. Yeah. So the, the that's total again. The, that's that's a battle mechanic. Uh, is that what you're talking about? The combat. Yeah, so the combat, I do it all the time when you're grinding. It's, you just have to do it, and you can repeat your move set. So if you, basically w what you're doing when you grind, when I grind um, levels, basically I, I just full brave, so I go four attacks, basically four attacks for every character, and I just repeat. So there's a button you can hit, and you just repeat. And you can set your combat speed to max. And the lower level guys, it, it goes a lot faster. The higher level, or, you know, if you're on the basically the same level of them, it's going to take you a little bit longer. Don't really recommend doing it that way. And the reason why you have to grind is basically because you have your main job and then your sub job. And the only way to level up your sub job is for it to be your main job at one point. So that's essentially why you have to grind. And, and, and when you're progressing your job, you get different perks, different passives, things like that. So that's kind of why you want to have uh, your your levels higher in those in those jobs. Yeah, it sounds similar to the Octopath Traveler where you had a sub job where you can equip a sub job to the main job. Yeah, and and I'm fairly early in the game. I believe it's about a fifty hour game, so I I think I'm maybe a quarter of the way through, and hopefully I'll be able to finish it because we're we're gonna be get we're gonna be hit with some some massive games so um hopefully I'll, I'll finish with that soon i don't think i'm going to complete the entire series on the channel it's just too much even with cross code i don't think i'm going to be able to that's a also a large long game i didn't realize that was such a long game uh, when, it, it's about i'd have to look it up but i think it's about the same length as bravely default it's about a 40 to 50 hour game it's a pretty wow. long, yeah. It's a pretty long game. I mean, just in terms of the the dun the first dungeon took took forever. So, um, and I and I think the other the other remaining dungeons are kind of on par with that. I'd have to look it up, but I'm I'm pretty cer certain that it's a a long game. So that's what I'm playing now. I am going to be. I know for sure I'm going to be getting Kingdoms of Amalur, which is coming out I think next week, and I know that game is going to take up a lot of time. I don't know how much I'll be able to record that for the channel. Probably just do the the tried and true 10 episodes and see how it goes uh, sort of deal. So uh, Kingdoms of Amalur, and then I think you and I are going to be hitting the uh, the monsters together um, at the end of the month. So we got a, we got a lot of a lot of our on our plate coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I've been playing, and I did just look it up. And crosscode is about thirty to fifty hours, depending on how you play. So, oh man, yeah, it's a pretty long game. Just did not expect it from that. And there's DLC coming very soon to that. I, I don't know how. Hopefully, I'll just be able to complete it. I don't know about DLC. Anyway, on to what we're here for. There was a Pokemon. Was it presentation? Is that what they're calling it? Pokemon, pre uh, Pokemon presents. Oh, Pokemon presents. My apologies. Let let let's fix that in in our show notes here. Uh, Pokemon presents, and there were f there were a couple big big surprises here. We had the Pokemon remakes of uh, Diamond and Pearl, 
I see here, here. Here's the thing. I'm going to sound like I'm really excited about this stuff when in fact I am not a huge Pokemon fan. I did at one point really try to catch them all. And it was more of an obsession than, than the, the game itself. I just wanted to catch them all and say, Hey, look, here's a living Pokedex. I have every single one of these creatures and I don't know. It's just Pokemon just doesn't really, it doesn't really grab me. It's just, I feel like, and you and I were talking about this before we started uh, recording. It's just, I feel like Pokemon's just been too stagnant for so many years, decades, two decades, in fact. It's just been way too stagnant. But you had mentioned that maybe they're breaking breaking that. They, they well, I mean, the, the or other they have broken it. Made, it. The last announcement that they made was kind of leading towards evolving because it, it was stagnant for a bit and they, they did very very small uh baby steps on improving and fine-tuning the traditional very very traditional rpg experience that pokemon mm-hmm. games gave and then with sword and shield they started to deviate from that uh and started to sort of uh expand the immersion factor of what the pokemon experience can can give and then uh, what they announced later on, um, I, I guess we could talk about it now, sure. which was uh, <laughs> uh, all practically a Metroid Prime 4 type of <laughs> reveal uh, called Pokemon Legends Arceus, which was, it, yes, it did show actual gameplay and, and, and actual in-game footage, but it was very rough looking and very, uh, very early on. There was, I don't think there was any, uh, UI or very limited UI. It did show a little bit of the UI when it went to combat and showed like the moves, but that definitely didn't look finished whatsoever. Yeah. When, when you, wait, I'm sorry, yeah. before you go on, but when you say Metroid prime, uh, four, I mean, they definitely showed like a, a billion times more than what, metroid prime yeah. 4 has shown <laughs> but it, what I'm getting at is it still wasn't enough maybe breath of the wild the first reveal of breath of the wild would be better but the first reveal of the breath of the wild was absolutely spectacular but also didn't really convey how players were going to play the game and that's kind of what Ar- arceus is mm-hmm. uh because it just looked very plain and basic but there is a a there's hope Lots of lots of hope there because it looks like it's there. There's semblance of promise that it's going to be the open world Pokemon RPG experience that most people, uh, since like for the past twenty years, have been looking forward to. Most uh, Pokemon fans have been yeah. looking forward to. Uh, it, it has a fully uh, uh, right stick sort of um, what's the word for it? Third person controllable camera. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know if that's the proper term for it, which they did do in in Sword and Shield, but now it it looks like it's they're fully on board with that. It's got a little bit more actiony Pokemon capturing elements to it. Uh, there's sort of a sneakiness that you have to do. Um, there 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 kind of isn't much to go over. I mean, they did show the character going into and out of a village, uh, seemingly seamless. Uh. So and the world itself looked pretty vast and, and expansive, uh, but there's there's some issues with it, mainly graphical and and the fact that they didn't really 
show too much gameplay whatsoever. So there's there's a big giant question mark. I think there's a lot of promise, but the game is like pretty far off. I would say at least one year away, and I would say probably uh, two years away. I would say yeah. this is a 2022 uh, ho- um, holiday. holiday season type of game. It'll be out this and summer. Potentially 2020. <laughs> It'll be out this summer. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're I right. Mean, it, it definitely, it definitely looks, it definitely looks rough around the edges. Uh, the world um, looks. See, here's here's the thing. Like Breath of the Wild did the empty world really well. I don't know what it was with that. The exploration factor really well. I, I think it's just be that that type of game lent it to be that way. So I'm interested to see how they're gonna do it in, in Pokemon. Also, with uh, again, I did bring back the staleness of the Pokemon uh, franchise. Like, how are they going to do gyms? Uh, um, I I know that's been a common staple in Pokemon games. Are they just going to translate or transfer or or make gyms into something else? Like one thought I had was just make them into actual dungeons. Like, I hate to say it, like a Zelda style, but just make them make them a dungeon. Uh, that's that sort of thing. I I just think of. How how are they going to do this? One thing I really hope they do. I like the fact that they're doing open world. I just hope that the the narrative is there. Like make this a really narrative heavy Pokemon game, and I think that's where you're going to really bring in a lot of people when you can bring in that narrative. Because Pokemon essentially the narratives really really fall short, and and. And what they've shown doesn't really lead me to believe that. I just really hope it's there because what they've shown is they've shown a lot of customized different or different type of character, playable characters. You know, they were, they were all very, very different. So I hope that that, that, that is, will be a strong suit. A heavy narrative, I think, will be really important. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about the narrative part just because of uh, the, the time frame that this game takes place. It takes place in the, in the far past where the, I guess, an island um, nation is first being formed. So there isn't going to be much in a way of infrastructure and society within the world. Right. Which means, which you kind of hit the nail on the head with gyms. It, there's a very strong chance that there won't be gyms. The traditional sort of hit the eight or so different gym leaders and, right. and then hit the, the master or whatever and, and you're done with the game. I think that's getting thrown out the window, and I think the narrative is also probably going to get thrown out the window because with lack of society, there's kind of a lack of a story. Yeah, well, uh, or, I mean, or, or a lengthier story. I mean, Breath of the I I hate to go back to Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild didn't have a heavily uh, populated uh, population density. You know, everything was kind of sparse, but it was able to put together a pretty decent narrative. Yeah, they they might do something like that. Um, I I just don't know how they're gonna pull it off for this. But yeah, it, the narr- the narrative is definitely gonna be an interesting take as it, to how they plan on implementing it. And it's also not Pokemon Company. Uh, it's not it's not their strong suit. Um, but I think they can maybe just take take a little bit of their anime, take a little bit of inspiration from there. You know, but. Like you had mentioned, the the uh, the focus of where this is, where and when this is taking place, it may lend itself to being just more difficult. But 
man, I, I think in order to really stand out, it would it, it really needs to do something else. And and just being open world is already doing that. It's just they need to put on another layer, I think. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> so that's Legends Arceus. It's we need more information and we need to see more of the game and hopefully more in in later developments of it so that it looks and runs better because it definitely looked uh performance wise choppy mm. right uh right. so they have that later on this year is going to be the remakes of diamond and pearl which looks really good and apparently it's going to have the uh platinum uh content in there in, in some form or another and then they also announced uh pokemon snap which is coming out even sooner oh or yeah sequel, sequel to pokemon snap and that's that's interesting. Not really an RPG, uh, but you know, there's going to be essentially two hits this year, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't, I really don't think Arceus is or Arceus is going to be coming out next year. But assuming they they hit 2022, that's going to be three Pokemon games within a time span of essentially one year. Right. That's major. That's that is major. pretty big certainly is just i really i'm really hoping that that arceus will bring in people like like me you know what i mean maybe like the fringe kind of people you know well i mean pokemon is meant for a younger target audience and i don't think they're ever going to deviate from that but this doesn't look like it's target like i guess Going by its appearance, it doesn't look like it's targeted to a younger younger audience. I'm talking about Ar- Arceus or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, it, it's got the potential to sort of widen. It'll still have the target audience, but yep. it'll expand into the older. It has a chance to expand and, and pull in more older, uh, seasoned, yeah, uh, mature, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Well, or or the people um, maybe that are in your group, right? Like that kind of played it initially and kind of just kind of stuck with it a little bit and then maybe kind of fell out of favor with it and just bring those people back i think that'll be big for them bringing in their older audience from a long time ago i'll tell you what the promise of of what could be significant change to the pokemon formula will bring me back absolutely yeah so all right cool and and then um just moving on from pokemon you know like you had mentioned we do we do have a lot to look forward to i think with that it's just uh for me it's just not my not my deal not my thing um all right yeah next we going on to the Mo- monster hunter has just taken over um i i think a, a lot of people there's just there's just been so much going on so th- they had they had their little spiel, their little thing in the, the Nintendo Direct, They'll, and then they said, you know, all right, look forward, look look into March. I think it was eighth, right? Go, we're gonna have our own presentation, and then that was three. It was it three days, or two days? Three, uh, four. F- four, four days of just information. Three, three days. Four days, <laughs> three days. <laughs> 34 days. No, they just, they had a lot of information. Um, and, and I didn't realize like how much is involved in, in all of this. There's just so much to in, ingest. Like, I don't even know, like I was talking to you about, I'm like, I, I couldn't even keep up. I haven't had the time to go back and really just really watch everything. I was able to watch the initial presentation that they had, 
but after that they just was just it was just so so much stuff um so they had like q a's they had like uh, information on monster hunter stories too um they had information on certain items uh, it was just they got really granular they got very very specific with a lot of different things and i i honestly i have not been able to keep keep up with it i think you have um, but at first, first I wanted to discuss kind of Monster Hunter stories. Now, were you able to play the original on the 3DS? Uh, no, no, I didn't play the original. Okay. I I wasn't able to either. Uh, I, I think that was more geared towards a younger audience. Yep. This one, I feel, is just different. I don't know what it is. It just visually looks really, really cool. Yep. And I'm I'm almost equally excited for Monster Hunter Story 2 as I am with Monster Hunter rise i i just i i really like that there's a heavy again we we're talking about i like it's very narrative driven and, and i think it looks really really interesting i'm with you it, it looks visually looks really good it looks very very polished type mm-hmm. of experience and it's given because monster hunter has never had a complicated or intricate storyline it's been uh you know serviceable to get the job done of having a, a solo sort of type of uh, storyline experience. But other than that, it, it didn't take it to extremes and you didn't, you didn't do adventure stuff. It right. wasn't an adventure game where you're traveling from one town to another and, and meeting new characters and developing relationships and stuff like that. And that's what stories essentially is, is doing that more traditional RPG experience, uh, going out on an adventure, there's a major quest, and that could change, and there's going to be story twists and stuff like that. There really isn't any story twist moments in in Monster Hunter games other than, uh, oh, you defeated this monster, but in actuality, it was this bigger monster, (laughs) and then then you defeat the bigger one, and then that's it. That's credits roll type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this this one just looks really really good. I mean, visually it looks like Breath of the Wild, <laughs> in in my opinion. But that's that's okay. I'm okay with that. Um, one thing I really, really hate is that there are three more amiibo coming out, and I must have them. That really is those amiibo look good. <laughs> well, amiibo in general just have been looking better than when they initially started out. They just look a million times better. Um, but yeah, I, I will be getting them. I, I don't, did they say what they're going to do in game? I don't think they mentioned that. They did. They, they did say that they're going to do more details on monster hunter stories two at a later date. So okay. that's probably going to have its own little presentation direct showcase thing. Do we, do we need that though? I mean, I, I understand they want to make an event out of it, but. And I can understand why they did it with Monster Hunter Rise. Just there's just so much involved with that. But we don't need another thing, you know. I I think it could work. I mean, because they did they never really went into too much detail on stories two, so they could deeper dive into that. While in addition, adding more interesting stuff for other Monster Hunter games like Rise, because uh. For example, they could sort of hold off information on additional DLC type stuff for Rise, and then mm-hmm. during the Monster Hunter Stories 2 uh, in-depth look, 
they then say, oh, by the way, uh, starting today, whatever, or, or next week, there's going to be new DLC for Rise content. Because they're, they're actually coupling these two games pretty closely together. Uh, when you, for example, the save data will link uh, and give you rewards between mm-hmm. Monster Hunter Rise and Monster Hunter Stories 2. So you'll unlock additional costumes uh, in Stories 2 if you also have save data from Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah, that's just, that's just one of uh, a, other potential examples that they have here. Who knows? Maybe the amiibo will do something in Rise, in yeah. addition to doing something in Stories too. Yeah, that that'd be interesting to see. I I also just just noticed that uh, Monster Hunter Stories is, uh, two is also co op. So that's I don't know how I how I missed that one initially, but that's oh, also wow. pretty pretty cool. That's. Yeah, they, they need to go into deeper detail because they didn't really show too much on the battle system and they didn't there there's more there to show off and uh I'll I'll be uh definitely tuning in on whatever that is. One thing that they did reveal though is they gave the release date, which is very soon. Yeah. Uh, well not, not very soon, but it's it's soon enough, right? July 9th. Yeah, that is that is soon enough. I I was expecting it to be later than that, so that is that is pretty cool to see. Oh, yeah, it's co-op quests, and uh, yeah, you can team up in multiplayer. Oh wow, that was really loud. Sorry about that. Um, I didn't hear anything. Yeah, but they'll be able to hear it in the podcast. It'll be great for them. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just looks really really cool. I cannot wait for that. Like I said, I'm I'm equally as hyped for it now. I mean, I kind of was interested in it, but now it looks really really good. Um, and is, there's also a deluxe edition, so they're going to nickel and dime us for this as well. And it's confusing the content that comes in that and also the content that comes with just pre-ordering the game. But it looks like most of it is just going to be uh, cosmetic uh, gear and equipment. Um, some of it is stickers that you can get of certain characters, uh, companions that you get throughout the story. Uh, so... Weird, weird stuff like that. Nothing, it doesn't look like uh, any of it is going to be gameplay breaking whatsoever, just all cosmetic stuff, which is great. You know, yeah, that's I, good. I would totally pre-order it just for the the cosmetic unlocks and whatnot. The mm-hmm. only thing that would probably break gameplay a little bit is how they implement the Amiibo stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully that's just cosmetics as well. Uh, it, it might be something like, uh, yeah, yeah slap on the amiibo and all of a sudden you get a bunch of uh well done steaks or something like that yeah yeah yeah. that's not too bad that's not too bad um but who opens up their amiibo anyways (laughs) (laughs) they they stay in their plastic prisons forever (laughs) so yeah it's coming out july 9th and also i don't know that we knew this before but it's not it's console exclusive but it's not platform exclusive if that makes sense it's coming out in Steam. I think. I think it's also the same same day, so it's coming out for the Switch as well as Steam. But then we deep dive into Monster oh, yeah. Hunter Rise. It was like a double deep dive. It was like uh, a pretty deep look into things uh, on on Sunday, and then another deep look into things on on Monday or Tuesday. 
afterwards. It was just so much content there. Yeah. New trailers that looked fantastic, showing off so many new monsters. Can I just say that, that this is the best-looking game on the Switch? Can uh, I it, say that? Or, I mean, one of, at least. I would say it's up there. Uh, I don't know. There's some very good-looking games on Switch. I think Xenoblade 2 is still incredible to look at, especially Torna, because they, they enhance that engine. And then there's Breath of the Wild, I think, is incredible. Astro Chain, I think, is incredible. So, mm-hmm. But it... It's up there. I wouldn't say it's the best looking, but it is. It is surprisingly good looking. Right. And it runs, I mean, in terms of the demo, right? That's all we have to base it on. It ran well. Uh, it, yeah, a very, very steady frame rate. The frame rate pretty much never dipped uh, yeah. below uh, into a noticeable amount. Uh, it ran real good. The monsters were fantastic. They showed. Uh, they showed a lot of stuff. So they showed what the rampage part of it actually is. And yeah. it turns out you were kind of right where you called it as a, a sort of rampage mode or horde mode. And that's kind of what it is. Wait, it's, wait, it's, did you say kind of right? I was freaking spot on. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, well, I, I essentially it's a tower defense, right? I mean, you can call it, call it that. I mean, cause you're basically, you're setting up, different like uh turrets and different weapon placements things things of that nature you're yeah different defenses you're also getting npcs to maybe help you out as well um but then you do yes you have the hordes and different waves coming in um which is is going to be interesting i i think uh but you had you presented some issues that that a lot of these monsters are really really like spongy you know they take up a lot of damage could take up a lot of time so yep. I don't know. I'm hoping they deal with them sort of balancing issues. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see how many players could be involved in that. I'm assuming it's four still the most, yep. but but that's where. So it's, if it's still four, then you have your NPCs kind of helping you out a little bit, whatever whatever they do. So essentially, there there's a little bit more involved with just other than four players. So. Yeah, and I think the way that they're pulling that off is that that rampage section takes place in seemingly a smaller arena-like environment instead yeah. of a, a bigger, giant, more expansive uh, open-world map uh, when, when you're going out and doing the regular hunts. So it's a more confined area. The monster's coming in. It It's going to have more than three large monsters at a time, which is something that does not happen in monster <laughs> games. Typically, you're fighting one monster, one large monster at a time, uh, sometimes two, and very rarely do you fight three large monsters at the same time. I mean, Monster Hunter maps only have three large monsters at a single point in time. This one might change that. I don't, I don't know if they're going to change that, but they you never encounter three, uh, more than three on, on a single map or, or in the same general area as, as each other. And this is bucking that trend in a, in a interesting way. Uh, they're also doing phases where, where at certain time intervals, the players are going to get major attack bonuses for their weapons, whatever, whatever their weapons is. So you're going to be kind of enticed to switch between using the defenses that you set up during the, I guess, defense setup stage of of the Rampage quest, 
and then uh, you're going to be incentivized to actually melee or, or bow, whatever your weapon style is, and actually engage with the monsters that way. And then you can, those NPCs that you talked about, you have control over when you want to use them. So that's a bit of a strategic element as well as triggering additional NPCs to come and help you. You can do it single player, you can do it multiplayer co-op uh, as, as you could any other quest in Monster Hunter. So it's, it's essentially just a new format or, or mm-hmm. a new type of quest that you can take because generally Monster Hunter is kind of limited on quests. You're getting capture quests, you're getting kill quests, you're getting uh, in different combinations of that where, where you have to like capture two monsters or uh, two different large monsters or capture three different large monsters or kill three different large monsters. Uh, sometimes it's kill, there's smaller fodder monsters essentially. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to kill, slay like ten of these things. Sometimes you'll get gathering quests, uh, like okay. uh, go out and fish and and collect whatever five of the such and such fish, or uh, or collect uh, ten things of honey, something like that, right? So they have gathering quests, mining quests, whatever. So all resource gathering stuff, monster hunting stuff, monster capturing stuff, and that's generally kind of what you have and then they'll have specialized quests that are usually tied to story stuff where you're doing like a very large gargantuan monster siege so this looks like it's adding to that a new format to the quest i might be missing like one or the one or two other quest types but this is definitely a new quest type and to combine all that it also has i guess i don't know if it's going to happen all the time but in these rampage quests you're going to there's going to be this new type of monster, enhanced monster called Apex Predators yep. or Apex Monsters, and they're going to be coming in and messing stuff up in, in a hopefully very fun way, and it probably will be. Very fun. <laughs> it probably will be um, very chaotic. <laughs> but yeah, they also they also I saw somewhere or read somewhere that they're doing uh, certain rewards, like re- rewards for this can are specific to rampage type quests where you can't get them in the regular mode. So that they're kind of incentivizing that a little bit, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I, I don't know if they would prevent people from getting rewards, uh, outside unique rewards outside of rampage. I don't, I don't know if they would do that. Uh, typically monster is very flexible with, Oh no, they are, they are doing it. I, I they read, yeah, the director, uh, said is the that, rewards uh, consumable items? Or? No, it's like armor, armor pieces, or maybe armor maybe pieces. from the monster uh, wow. itself. Yeah. Okay, that that's that's different. That's very interesting. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a new type of quest, so it's not really that big of a deal uh, that they are making it in there. The fact that it's, um, I'm guessing, it's probably going to be a drop from the apex monsters. Yeah. That's that's probably what will make it unique is you have to do the rampages in order to fight the apex versions and the apex versions are probably going to drop the unique stuff that that you're mentioning. Yeah. Uh, there, there's some other stuff that you're you're going to be able to do in those uh, rampage quests. Apparently, they have multiple tasks they have to complete during the rampage quests, and you don't have to complete all the tasks, and you can kind of partially complete. Um, uh, your list of tasks yep. and still be successful during that rampage event. So uh, it might not be the case where, because in 
typically in in a hunt you die for example or anyone dies uh, in if it's multiplayer three times then you fail that mission so yeah. i don't know if they'll, they'll do that for rampage or if they have uh it might be a timer based thing i mean other quests are also timer but this one might be solely reliant on timer we'll, we'll have to see or actually they did mention that the place that the monsters are storming that little in re- arena environment i guess there's like a siege health bar yes. of, of your fortification yep. so i guess that is your lose condition is if that dissipates yep. and i'm wondering if that and the timer and dying three times are all going to be things that have to be considered yeah. or if they're removing the death counter. Yeah, they, they did also mention at one point there um, that certain animal or certain monster, I call them animals, certain monsters will attack like fortifications, certain monsters uh, will attack NPCs or people, uh, certain monsters, like they're all flagged differently in, in terms of their icon colors, but they all do very different things, which is kind of useful. Um, but one thing that really has me concerned, even for the main the mainline game or the main uh, type of game, whatever, outside of Rampage mode, is communication. I think I think communication in these types of games is very, very important. And not being able to do that fluidly is a problem, especially in Rampage mode, where things can be chaotic and you want people to be storming certain areas or protecting certain areas. Not being able to communicate via voice chat and having to go through like a like a whatever dialogue system that they have uh, in terms of chat is very clunky and cumbersome. So yeah, how, how like I, I I mean other than using you know your your phone app which is atrocious. I mean guys hop hop onto our Discord server and use our voice chat. We have plenty plenty of lines there. You know. I mean, other than that, I mean, you're, you're totally reliant on archaic systems. Like, you would think there'd be some sort of fix or like, resolution for this, but... Well, I, I doubt Capcom would make would take a step back in what they offered before. I mean, Monster Hunter on the Wii offered voice chat. The it's Wii just, U had voice right. chat. The, three, uh, the 3DS... Monster Hunter had voice chat, so it might be the case where all you have to do is just plug in a USB microphone, and you'll get voice chat. That that could very well be something that they are adding in there outside of whatever Nintendo. Yeah, and on. and God forbid you need to connect like your USB um, headset if you even have one, you like, yeah. and you and you sit far away from your your television set or your docked switch. You need like a 85 foot cable they just certainly not, they're just not making it easy for people well uh i mean nintendo isn't i mean yeah I, no it, it's definitely nintendo in there and the way they they made this infrastructure for sure yeah yeah i'm i'm with you on that but i wouldn't be surprised if capcom took went the extra mile and included ways i i'm almost certain that they i, I don't want to say certain but it's very likely that they have USB keyboard support in in this. They have it for other games on Switch, and yep. I can imagine that they definitely have it for Monster Hunter. Because Capcom, I mean, just going through the length, the various lengths that they've gone in order to spruce up and streamline sort of the, mul- the multiplayer experience 
they added a lot of new stuff in here. Yeah. Uh, for example, you, players can join in on your hunt midway through it, which That's was awesome, a new right? it's a new thing that they added in uh, Monster Hunter World, and now they're continuing with that. Uh, they've added a whole bunch of searching and matchmaking uh, type of uh, filters that you can do in order to, to match yourself up with stranger danger type things. You can like other players so that uh, the next time you search for stranger danger, you're likely to get paired up with people that you've had past experiences with. So they're definitely adding more, and they, they're also adding... Uh, they, they tend to do this with Monster Names where they present... They have multiple locations of presenting the same information. For example, the quest board. You can access the quest board in multiple ways, and they are doing that even more in this one where they showed off uh, during that that first uh, sort of segment where they're showing, oh, by the way, you can actually access your quests by, uh, by pulling up uh, the bulletin board via this method mm-hmm. instead of actually having to go to the bulletin board and stuff like that. So they're, they are definitely adding more sort of uh, quality of life, as, as you kind of said earlier, uh, quality of life type of uh, services and, and experiences to this in addition to all the other like newer gameplay stuff. So I will say it might be a, a bit overwhelming as Monster Hunter games kind of are, especially World. It will probably be overwhelming as a uh, first-time player uh, or new player type of experience. It, it'll certainly be overwhelming for a bit. It definitely was. <laughs> as a first-time Monster Hunter player, just playing the demo... Uh, it was it, it was quite a task to figure out because the combat isn't as responsive. It's not like a quick like attack time. It's a, the the weapons are weighty. You know, uh, they take a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I would say it's even more weighty than than Dark Souls is. You know, because you're you're hand you're you're handling these massive massive weapons, and they're all and they're all different. You know, in the way, in terms of how they work out in the field. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're just all very, very different. And it was it was a lot to uh, take in, that's for sure. That It's a commitment to the animation. So you hit that button to attack, you're committed to it. You might yeah. be able to roll out and or or maybe block, maybe, or sidestep. Uh, there, there's very limited options once you commit to an attack. That that's kind of Dark Souls uh, combat and Monster Hunter combat, and I I love that combat system. It's just it's more nuanced and and requires uh, it, it's less based on button mash, and button mashing will not get you ahead whatsoever. Uh, yeah. They're adding so so there's other stuff that they've uh, added, and they they kind of explain the silk bind attacks a bit more in this, and it looks like the silk bind attacks is this older feature. Um, that they had in Monster Hunter Generations or Generations Ultimate. Um, I, for, I forgot which Monster Hunter games had it, but uh, it was I think it was called Hunter Arts or, or Hunter Art Styles or something like that. Uh, so the <laughs> Silk Bind attacks seem like they're kind of like that, where the Hunter Arts where you could sort of pick from a set, pick like two or three different uh arts and sort of socket them uh equip them 
uh, and that will be your build uh, as additional special attacks that you okay. get. And these silkbind ones are essentially that. They are silkbind. The nature of silkbinding adds that little extra mechanic where you can ride on monsters if you bind them with silk and they become bound. You can revert ride them by jumping on top of them. So that, that's mm-hmm. a different thing. And that ties into the silk binding, but also uh, just unique abilities that you get, um, unique attacks that you get, and they have like cooldowns, and those cooldowns are pretty frequent, so they're, they're going to proc more often midway through combat, and you can customize them by going back to the tent midway in the middle of a hunt. So you can customize and change out your silk bind attacks if you if if you're for example sometimes you'll go on a hunt and you're fighting two different monsters and for one monster you need to get you need the the leaping the very vertical silk bind attack or you need uh for another monster you need uh, a more defensive type of silk bind attack and each of these silk bind attacks are going to they're collectively I'm guessing there's probably going to be for each weapon maybe five to ten different possibilities where you equip, I'm guessing, just two of them out mm. of the five to ten that they're going to offer. And that's going to change based on the weapon that you have. So maybe there'll be some overlap where, yeah, the, the gun lance and the regular lance might have five of them that are the same, but each of them have five of them that are going to be unique to one another uh, type of thing. So th- there is some uh, overlap on silk bind attacks, but there's also going to be each weapon type is at the very least probably going to have one silk bind attack that's going to be unique to Too what bad. that weapon is. Right. Yeah. So there, there's going to be a lot. So there's 14 weapons. So that's going to be four, at, at a minimum 14 silk bind, different types of silk bind attacks. And uh, yeah, so there's, there's probably going to be like 20 or 30 uh, silk bind attacks, maybe even more. And then you'll have a, a, a small list that you get to sort of choose from and sock it. And you're going to unlock these silk silk bind attacks sort of later on, um, as as you progress throughout the game. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and that's in addition to all the other progression type stuff that they already had in. <laughs> it's so games. insane, <laughs> absolutely insane. Um, but I did notice that they have they're doing like the selfie camera. That that was actually pretty cool. Like when I when it panned to like the owl holding the camera. <laughs> I, I i like like really laughed <laughs> out loud i was like what what is this that is so I, it was I, just funny I, it was so good when they did that yeah camera mode like wow yes brilliant well done yeah yeah that's cool but i did notice that there were more than four people taking the picture I'm like what's up with that uh it could have been at a uh at a hub spot Okay, I didn't know that existed. And, well, um, the the main so there's always a central hub in a Monster Hunter game, and that's where all the players uh, can meet up and join, especially if you're you're co-oping with yep. other people. And then when you go out on an actual hunt, it's you and whoever else okay. comes along, up to four people. Um, how many did you see in there? It could also be NPCs. So central hub, they took a selfie. And it could have been four players and then a couple of NPCs that they were standing next to. Yeah, I'd, ha- I'd have to look and find the actual clip, which right now would be impossible. But I do remember there being more 
than four. Yeah, it, it'd be interesting if it was more than four players that are able to run around in the same sort of hub environment. That that would be interesting because that I don't think they've done that ever done that in a Monster Hunter game where they went above the four player count. Uh, they're certainly not going above the four player count during a hunt. So okay, I'm I'm almost certain on that. I mean, if they ever did, that'd be crazy. A six-player, seven-player, eight-player hunt. That'd be spectacular. That'd be chaos. That would be chaos. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to... Um, I, I can't find the specific clip, so... Yep. But I could have sworn that it was more than four. Anyway. You no, know it is more than four. What is more the than four? Of, the number of new monsters. Yeah, there's there and there are more coming, like... There are a ton of monsters already here and like a, a billion different environments. And then they've already announced one that's coming out in a free update, Camellios or something. I, I'd have to pull it up. Yep. Yep. And, and at least two more after that, also in free DLC updates. Normally they didn't, normally they don't really do brand new monsters. Uh, and by normally, I mean pre monster hunter world. They don't really add major new monsters sometimes they did but monster hunter world they definitely start to add new major monsters with as as free dlc updates mm-hmm. and yeah they're they're continuing with that and they always added new dlc free dlc stuff um the only time that they didn't do if it wasn't free dlc it would be like cosmetic uh and monster hunter world did have the expansion so obviously as an expansion maybe you yeah. count that dlc maybe yeah, not. that's a little different yeah it, and it was standalone playable i think ice world that that i would not know yeah. but yeah it's it's exciting because they had they had so many there's there's at least 20 monsters typically there's like 30 to 40 monsters in a monster hunter game and some of the bigger ones, like uh, like some of the ultimates, or or uh, or generations ultimate, they have like seventy or eighty plus monsters. <laughs> it's crazy how many of them there are, and really like like the showcase is fighting these new monsters and and just existing monsters because right. every single every single monster is a completely different fight. You have to you have to plan for it differently. You have to interact with the monster differently it's just great hmm. yeah that's that's just there's just so so much and i understand why they're doing this where they're just getting into like some of the nuance and in, in terms of uh even i think they were even showing people how to use weapons and and, and whatnot so they got really specific in in this presentation Yep, and and they got into details, and this is kind of expected. Uh, your sidekick, the Palamute or the Palico, the the cat and the dog. Yep. So if you're soloing or co-oping with one other player, you're gonna have you're gonna bring both of your Palico, Palamute, or whatever combination. You could have two Palicos or two Palamutes, uh, whatever it is you want. So it'd be you and two others plus another player and two others. But the moment you get to three or four player co-op, it's gonna you're only gonna be able to bring one Palamute <laughs> or one Palico. And who are you bringing? Uh, it's gonna be Palamute all the way. 
Has to be, right? I mean, it speeds up travel so much. I mean, I do see the Palico being very useful in terms of, um, like, the health drops that it does and whatnot. But being able to really just travel across the map is really helpful. Yeah, and, and being able to get that extra movement speed and consume items while having that extra movement speed, that's very useful as well. Right. Uh, and also that... that that wall climbing that you can do with the Palamute and speed up the walls real fast. Right. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's almost a no-brainer. Although, in, in I forgot which, which presentation it was, but in one of them, they were showing off a fight, and the Palico did this new thing that I've never seen before where it planted a tree, yeah. like a little, a little tree, and it did this AoE heal thing, and that was powerful. That, yeah. that was a really good, potent heal. I'm like, Oh wow, that's I wonder that's if, that's what I was talking about. I'm like that would be really really helpful in that situation. It it, it is very helpful. So uh, yeah, I, I guess the the trade off is that you get the sort of the caster support uh, abilities of the Palico, or you get the uh, speed and agility and and sort of uh, standard attacking of the Palamute. Right. So yeah. You must decide. And uh, we, we're going to be able to play more of this because they're releasing a new demo of Monster Hunter Rise. Nice. Uh, Friday. It's coming out real soon. In like... the, the 12th, March 12th. Yeah, yeah March 12th. And uh, <clears throat> that's going to have, it's essentially the same demo, except that they reset the counter, the number of times that you can play, and they added in the the sort of staple monster the the one that looks like a samurai in samurai armor yep uh what was it uh, magnamalo yeah that's kind of the the, the the their flagship monster for this game yeah so they're adding that as uh i've got a like advanced or expert fight or something like that yeah so i'm definitely gonna download that demo again and and fire that up and go up against uh, that monster and just see how well I I do or don't do, um, and see how that goes. But that that's coming out, and then and then just a couple weeks after that, it's the full release of the game. The game will be here. Uh, oh, and one last thing that they touched up on is it has five different environments. Yeah. Right? yeah. It had the uh, that sort of uh, I don't know what to call it. That shrine, forest shrine environment. I had the rainforest, the that sort of uh, Aztecian rainforest environment. I had the uh, desert environment, the snow environment, and the sort of volcano cave uh, environment, mountain type of environment. So, yeah. and all all those biomes look incredible. Yeah, the, I mean, like I like we mentioned, I I just think this game looks incredible, like all. All of it. This looks incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's big. It's a big, big Monster Hunter game. This is not a little tiny Monster Hunter game. This is a big one. And, and this one also is going to be released on Steam as well. Man. I wonder when. I think it's the same same, same day. No kidding. No. I wonder if it would be cross-play. That I don't know. That I have no idea. That's weird because I don't see it on Steam at all. 
I don't think it's there yet. Do you see Monster Hunter stories? Um, let's see. No. Yeah, they're they're they're. I know Monster Hunter Stories Two is going to be there. It's actually at the end of their trailer. It shows it there, and I'm fairly certain that Monster Hunter uh, Rise will be there as well. You know, it might be the case because uh, Monster Hunter World came out on consoles first, and the Iceborne um, expansion that came out on consoles first, and then it took, I think it was like four four to six months before it finally released on PC. So that might be the case here, where maybe later on, at the end of this year, the PC will get uh, the Rise release and, yeah. and the Stories 2 release. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be released at the same time, or or maybe there will be some sort of exclusivity for a short period of time. Yeah, timed exclusive. Yeah. Uh, one last little bit to bring up is there is pre-order bonuses that are going on for this. It okay. is cosmetic stuff. Good. So the pre-order bonus pack, uh, and I'm not sure which places are offering this. I know that GameStop uh, is one place that's offering this. I'm assuming it's the case for Best Buy and other retailers. Uh, where, let's see here, you get a Palamute Golden Retriever costume. <laughs> uh as a layered armor um the and then you're getting a palico forest cat costume so both of them it doesn't there's no armor there it just it's just a skin essentially where where your palamute no longer looks like that that sort of bluish purple uh dog instead it looks like a golden retriever with a little <laughs> bandana handkerchief type thing and the palico instead of being sort of this anthropomorphic uh, cat is looks more like a regular cat with like big, <laughs> big furry cheeks. It, they both look so cute, just so cute. And then the last thing you get is you get a stat boosting novice talisman. And yeah, I guess you could kind of consider that as a gameplay enhancing type thing and not a cosmetic, but. The items is your progression, and this is just an early game item, and you're going to replace it very, very soon. Yeah, I'm sure it's just helping you out initially, and that's about it. Yeah. Very, very cool. I I cannot wait. I, obviously, we're going to be getting more information beforehand, um, but I think playing that demo a second time will really, really help me out because, man, it really was, there was a lot going on. There was so much going on. And, and like I like I had said, every weapon plays so differently, and some are more difficult to kind of grasp than others. So maybe trying to find whatever one works for me, and just kind of sticking with it for a little bit, is my yeah. best best thing to do. But you just got to get to it. Just got to get it. Yeah. And I I actually might I I saw sort of, uh, I think it was the video that they're showing off on that on that thing the uh, charge blade. I might I might change it up. I started with a lance, then I went to gun lance territory for a while. Now I might, I might just change it up again and go to the uh, charge blade because that charge blade looks very interesting. Is that it a new? Of, is that a new weapon? Um, it's new-ish. Okay, uh, it's not new to like this game, right? Yeah, yeah, not not new to this one. I think the newest 
ones is the Insect Glaive. I think is probably one of the newest ones, the Insect Glaive and maybe the Bow. Um, certainly the Insect Glaive. Maybe the Charge Glaive is also a relatively new one, but I would say the Insect Glaive is the newest one that I can think of. Okay. Oh, and you didn't mention the uh, voiceover options. Those are always important. So you have um, English, Japanese, and Monster Hunter language. <laughs> Whatever that is. I wonder what is. the Monster Hunter language sounds like. I don't I know. I don't English? know. Is it? Well, I mean, you played it in a demo, right? They're just yeah. shout out stuff like that. It's all weird. Whether they shout it out in a language I can't understand or don't understand. Well, it, just playing Monster Hunter games, like typically it's mostly grunts that your character says. And now that they're actually saying like, like actual things, or phrases uh, I, and oh, words. Well, sometimes they said some phrase, uh, what was it like? Uh, so tasty. <laughs> was was a thing in early Monster Hunter games where where you get the perfect sort of cook, the well done cook on a steak. Ah, uh, yes. It, okay. That, that character's like, ooh, tasty, and and they hold the meat in the air and it sparkles. Ah, uh, it's like a, it's like a shiny Pokemon. Yeah. Oh, all right. We'll, we'll we'll be dealing with that in a little bit on on this Friday. We'll be playing that new demo for sure. Uh, but moving on. The Nintendo Switch has turned four. I cannot believe it has been four years. Happy birthday, Nintendo Switch. Um, and to say that it's like an RPG machine would be like a complete like understatement, right? I, there, I think there are over 800 RPGs tagged in the eShop. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I did want to go over, and we might change over the, the order here. Um, that we have it here on our list. I think we're gonna we're gonna save the our favorite RPGs for last. What we're gonna do is we're gonna give you four different categories of things of four favorite RPGs on the Switch, four disappointments on the Nintendo Switch, four games that we still have yet to play that are on the Switch, and then four games we're looking forward to. So we're gonna do four different categories, and we're gonna choose four games in each of these categories. There's fours everywhere <laughs> fours are everywhere so we're gonna go with our four disappointments should, should we do the the fave before the looking forward to so put that at number three sure does that sure. make sense yeah 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 okay I, I think that'll be fine so we're gonna go disappointments still need to play favorites and then looking forward to yep so our four disappointments on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I, I think you generally hate all games on the Nintendo Switch, so this list had to be condensed to four. Yes. <laughs> um, so just, I, I don't know. I, I think just just run down your list. Yeah, and and these disappointments they're not they're not necessarily saying that the games are bad. It's yeah. it's saying that that our expectations were not met. And and we're not met to the degree that it, it led to significant disappointment. Now, when you in, say our expectations, I want you to really personalize that, okay? Yeah, my, your, my expectations yes. for my four, your expectations for your four, etc. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, it starts with Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I wanted to get that game on Switch so badly, and then it came out. And it, Digital Foundry and other people did their little teardown on, on the performance of it. And it was not up to snuff. 
uh, for a while on Switch, and I yeah. had to buy it and get it on PS4, and I, I absolutely love the game, but man, would I have preferred to play that on the Switch to relive, you know, the the Castlevania days of yore. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was that was a dis- definite disappointment for yeah, me. Yeah, I will I will say I, I'm along I'm there right there with you. That that launch for that game on the Switch was atrocious. Um they there there were so many frame rate issues. Um there were um input lag. <laughs> there was there was so much wrong with the game. Uh and also the resolution was was absolutely terrible. Um, but they did they did improve it. If you were to go back and play it, they they, were, they did improve it tremendously. Actually, I think uh, there there are some still there are some crashes occasionally, um, but it's better. It it is better. But yeah, it it was a rough one. Do you do you want to list off one of your disappointments? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm gonna go Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Um, this, this game was put on a pedestal by many, many people, uh, <laughs> including your, yourself. <laughs> um, and you know, I was, I was so looking forward to this. I have, I purchased like the collector's edition. I, and, and you're going to notice a trend here. <laughs> I purchased the collector's edition. In fact, I imported the collector's edition uh, from where did, the UK. So I got the record, right? So I, I spent quite a decent amount of money uh, on this i mean i'm a collector anyway so i i was i wanted to get it regardless but anyway i had a hard time playing the game and i i think a lot of it was the just the the combat itself was it was just did not click with me i could not get it especially when you need to when when position matters and and i've gone over this a, a bunch of time when your position matters and you have to change your art to select the one that's in like your current position and the enemy moves. So you're out of position. So you're like, it, it just was, I don't know, maybe I had to change the button mappings or, or, or something. It just, it was so frustrating to play uh, in terms of combat. I just could, I couldn't, couldn't play it. I couldn't, I, I just, I moved on from that game so, so quickly. I, I just couldn't stick with it. I couldn't do it. And that's that. Um, <laughs> so so another one of my disappointments was trials of mana uh, and yeah. that was uh i mean there there was and you, you got it you played it uh and for me i was i was expecting because it was a full remake yeah. this was not and they had a lot of opportunity to sort of really change things up uh, and the first, one of the those are a bunch of stuff that let me down, but like one of the very earliest things to uh, that I remember that started to lead me down the road of disappointment was the lack of multiplayer co-op multiplayer in there. Yeah, yeah, that that was a tough uh, tough pill to swallow for for you, anyways. I that aspect didn't didn't really bother me because I don't have anyone else to play with, <laughs> so uh, that that really didn't didn't affect me. But I can see if you you know if you're in a household where maybe other people are going to play with you, if they're like couch co op type of thing, or even like a Nintendo online or multiplayer aspect, like an online aspect of it, probably would have been more feasible. I think in terms of development, um, having a kind of a couch co op situation the way they they did it, it wouldn't have worked out. But yeah, I I could see that being a a, a drawback for sure. 
Next on my list, I have Pillars of Eternity. Another one of those games that people tout so, so much in terms of uh, story and narrative. Um, maybe on other consoles, but on the Switch, it's, that game still doesn't run at all. Uh, I, I think the the uh, the the real time with pause in general does just doesn't work on console. It works tremendously well on PC, but you bring that over the console, it doesn't work. But in terms of what it had to offer for the Switch, it looked gross. There it was a buggy, buggy mess, and the developers have been very, very slow in getting patches over. They have been, but Man, it is so slow that process. Um, what else did I? Yeah, the game would continuously crash. I I don't know what it's how it stands now, but this doesn't bode well for Pillars of Eternity Two, which was announced. I don't know five years ago before. No, this, it was announced a while ago, so it doesn't bode well for Pillars of Eternity Two, which is what, out already which is out on other consoles just not on the switch so like two years ago or three years yeah ago. so i don't know if i'm gonna be jumping in on pillars of eternity 2 when it comes out on the switch because of pillars of eternity was just a horrifying mess so yeah that's, yeah. that's unfortunate yeah that that was that was a big one for me yeah not a very recent uh big disappointment for me is hyrule warriors age of calamity what <laughs> it's it's really the i was expecting more from the story and i was uh definitely let down there in in a story that is not canon whatsoever and was essentially paint by numbers very safe very tropey did not like it um at all for that aspect and then it also had the performance issues and after a certain point, the gameplay that is there got incredibly monotonous with how it's really the enemy variety that made it monotonous and in, in that um, pretty much all the larger enemies you engage in pretty much the same way. So yeah, um, <clears throat> if, if the game was shorter, it probably wouldn't have uh, irked me uh, as much. But it's really the letdown on that story and the performance of the game. Those are the two major ones that definitely let me down um, from an otherwise uh, what what could have been a very fun or it still was fun, just just very solid, uh, awesome experience that sort of uh, I guess honors the prestige of Zelda and kind of kind of didn't really do that. It didn't flub it. It just yeah, it just up to to breath of the wild right 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 yeah i kind of didn't mind the the uh the non-canical story canonical canonical i didn't mind canonical that word i didn't mind that i didn't mind that at all uh the frame rate issues in the you know when there were a lot of enemies eh, i could see how that would bother you it was all the time all the time (laughs) it didn't need enemies that frame rate was just terrible uh, non-stop and then the the resolution would also uh, drop and, and things would get a little blurry yeah so. see i find that i find it strange that you 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 give it negative points i guess in your book for that game 
but in another game, it doesn't affect it at all. Well, because that uh, Age of Calamity is a very action-intensive game where where your movement and what you're doing matters to a significant okay. degree, and the frame rate really does drop to awful, awful numbers like Nintendo sixty-four levels. Of no way! I I didn't have that experience. Oh, it definitely happens. Maybe Most maybe it's my my new my new Super Switch. Maybe that's oh. why. Maybe so. So, what else disappointed you? Oh man, I was so looking forward to this game. I really, I played this game on the Xbox. It runs and visually looks stunning. But you put this game, same game, on a Nintendo Switch, and it looks like someone smeared Vaseline over the your entire screen. Oh man! And just like really laggy um but just visually just looks so blurry that it hurts your eyeballs this game is mutant year zero it's a i don't know if you've played it or heard about it um but but it's a it's a tactical uh tactical rpg and i love the character design in it but you can't even see it on the switch like you see it any any, on any other console (laughs) any other like uh, pc whatever you can see the character designs, the models, the, they're very interesting. But you put it on the Switch, you can't even tell what the heck is going on. You, you can't even tell. It is so, so bad. Um, but I so wanted to like it and enjoy it. It's such a good, it is a good game. Um, it's a short, short game. Not short, short, but it is a, it's a shorter game. But it just looks so hideous. So, so hideous. Man, makes me sad. That's unfortunate. You know, <laughs> well, you know what makes me sad, really sad. Perhaps the saddest out of all the games I've already was disappointed and and mentioned is Paper Mario: The Origami King. I was I, hyped. I'm surprised. I'm really surprised at this because you seem you. I'll just say you you enjoyed it more than I did. <laughs> well, I, I didn't even I didn't even get it. I thought I you did. No, no. Oh, I, I, okay. Because it, I was waiting for the reviews. Because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't like going into games blind unless it's like Metroid or something like that. Then I'll go in very <laughs> blind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was, I was hoping it was a return to Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door, sort of tried and true RPG, like true excellence in in RPG mechanics type of paper mario experience and it it didn't even come close to going all the way it it went a little bit but then just started doing a whole bunch of other stuff and uh it it just wasn't the full experience i wanted it had everything else in there though it had the visuals were were glorious and the audio and the comedy and the humor were all there they just didn't land the gameplay not really land, but they didn't bring the gameplay that I wanted. Or yeah. they didn't bring they didn't bring it all the way. Yeah. They definitely were trying something new. That's that's for certain. Yeah. But yeah, that's a sad one. Because I it, think every it, everyone wanted that thousand year door experience. Yeah. And it just yeah. that's not what it was. It and it could have been. It it wasn't that far away, but it was far enough away to make me very disappointed it could have been but you know what johnny it should have been 
It should have. Yeah, I agree. It should have. I think I think what they were trying to do is just bring in a new target audience. And um and it definitely it hit the mark uh for us. That's that's what I think. Last disappointment. We're really we're hitting them good. We're hitting them good. My last disappointment is Octopath Traveler, and this this is I think this is a very polarizing game, right? I I think you're either you're full on in or you're full on out with this game. I don't know I don't know that anyone's really in between, unless you're in between. Uh, I'm definitely in between. I just don't think that anyone is full in on this. Like, there's oh. nothing in the game that that would put it on your top tier echelon of, I, of games of all time because it's. I think it's you're. Everything else. I think you're very wrong in that. I think there are a lot of people full on in um, on Octopath Traveler, and I just, I guess I can see why. Okay, it does have amazing visuals okay it does have amazing uh music uh the composer is it does it does have amazing that but the battle system is not for me okay the eight different narratives is not for me the party members being not even party members they don't interact with one another i, I just it's just having the eight different stories is just man I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Have, having these party members being acting like total strangers in a game just makes no sense to me. They're fighting alongside each other and they barely acknowledge one another's existence. I I was a, a bit more okay with that. It, it was really the writing and pacing of the game that, that definitely didn't... Uh, that let me down for certain... But I wasn't expecting, because I, I mean, when you look at the game, like, it's going to give you, gameplay-wise, it's going to give you traditional JRPG experience. Mm-hmm. That's what it's selling all the way through. And there's there's never, you know, the traditional JRPG experience has been done for 30, 35, who knows how many years. It's been done for so long. Like, it, it is traditional as traditional can be we've done it so many times and yeah the battle system has its own unique twist on it and i i actually enjoy the battle system of it that little sort of figuring out the the break the enemy, yeah the break system it it's interesting it gets the job done but you know is it spectacular no there was and i wasn't expecting spectacularness from it but uh yeah, it it was definitely a disappointment for me. It just wasn't the biggest disappointment. For me. And then out out of the eight characters, maybe two of the storylines were interesting. The others were kind of forgettable. So yeah, it was, was wasn't really worth playing those other char- as or following through with those other characters. It just wasn't. Yeah, the stories were just throwaway. Almost all of them were throwaway. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I I when 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 people. When I see when I belong in a few Facebook groups, right, and you get the always the generic question. All right, which RPG should I play? And I would say half of them are Octopath Traveler, and and I just I just want to say just reply to every single one of them. No, 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 because I mean, where yeah, it looks stunning. It's just not. It's not good, man. I don't know. Just not do it for me. 
when Octopath Traveler is one of two RPGs you've played on Switch, of course you're going to recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I just think there are better experiences other than Octopath Traveler. But anyway, so uh, which one are we moving on to? We, we're moving on to um, four games that we still need to play that yeah. we haven't yet played. We've had four years on most of these. Well, not most of these, but yeah. I'll let you go first. Yeah, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. I so I, I watched my my lady partner go through that. Uh, Don't do it. It's not worth it. Entirely. But uh, there's that extra uh, prologue, mm-hmm. whatever extra content that I definitely want to dive into, and I just haven't done it yet. I'm going to do it because I can jump into it right away. And man, that game looks so good, and the the story is just just rewatching it, and how well done this sort of almost remake is. This 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 major HD remastering of the game is like it it's incredible, uh, and it still holds up to a good degree. Not as much as Xenoblade Two, right? It's still an older game with older mechanics in there, but it is spectacular just watching that again and i can't wait to to when i get the time to dive into that yeah that extra content maybe i just need to i don't i don't know i have no idea about that one (laughs) Um, what is what is on your chopping block my chopping block dragon quest 11 i really want to get into it i know a ton of people who have played it absolutely love it the problem there's a major problem it's a massive time sink. So yeah, when I when I get enough time to finally play Dragon Quest Eleven, it it's there. I have it. I own all these games. Just you, need... you already played through what the first ten hours? Yeah, about that. About that. Uh, and from my brother who played and beat it, uh, it doesn't get good at all <laughs> until like fifty hours, like halfway into the game. Then it finally gets good. Great! Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then from from that moment forward it gets really good yeah it's just the, then you have another then you have another 50 hours to go yeah yeah or more <laughs> or more yeah that's, or that's, more. that's what i mean it's like i know it's a fantastic game i just i just need a billion hours to of time which is not possible sometimes anyways what do you what else you got yeah, and, and this is the same thing, right? It's it's a fantastic game. It's called Dragon's Dogma. Yeah. Dark Arisen, right? <clears throat> uh, Dark 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 Arisen. Dark Arisen, yep. Yeah. And it's a game that I've had on my wish list for so long. And you played it. You definitely recommend it. It's a game that I want to play, and it goes on sale all the time. Oh yeah, it's all all the time. <laughs> and and you can get it for like I think it's either like fifteen bucks right around that when physically it, when it hits too. And man, I I I keep looking. I'm like, ah, should I get it? Should I get it? It's just a matter of time. Like, do I have the time to play and and invest in it? And that's what's really holding me back. I yeah. want to play it because it looks really cool. It, it seems like it has a, a little bit of that Dark Soulsy influence in there to a certain degree. Uh, a little bit of monster hunterness in there, where you're where you're combating monsters and jumping on them and grabbing onto them and stabbing them. And a little like bit that. of the, a little bit of The Witcher Three. 
I will say that it does combat better than The Witcher 3. That's for certain. Yeah, so that's that's on my list. I don't know if I'll actually end up getting it, to, getting to it, but it's been on my wish list. This is like one of the games that's been on my wish list for a very long time. So it's either going to remain on there, or I'll eventually bite the bullet and and get it on one of those mini sales that it goes on. Yeah, right now it's thirty bucks, um, but it has been on sale in the eShop for fifteen many times. I say just just wait a little bit; it'll be there. It'll be there for you. All right, what is next for me is another one. This game's been out for a long while. Is Yeast 8, Lacrimosa of Dana. I want to I get it. I, I know, I mean, I know it's scored reasonably well in terms of Yeast games. They all generally do reasonably well. It's just again, it's just the the time to the time to do. It. I've won, I've been wanting to play a game like Yeast, um, an action RPG for a while. I just need to get to it. That's it. Just time. If we could all just have a little bit more time left on this planet to play games, that'd be great. And I I think it doesn't help that the uh, Yeast hasn't really hit any major sales, right? You, you know, you you say that, and um, I have it digitally. It's one of the few games that I, uh, in this list anyways, that I don't have physically. And it's consistently full price. I have yet to see it go down at all. So it's, e- even digitally, I want to say digitally, it's, it's. I've seen it go down to, recently it's, it was down to $30, and it's, it hasn't been that in a while. So yeah. that'll be next. The next, the next game for me is uh, kind of similar to the next uh, game or two for you. Do you want to like cover these together? Let's do that together. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So for for my next two, it's Atelier Riza one and two. Yeah, and and for mine, I just put two because uh, it's the newer one, and it looks like the more impressive, bigger bells and whistles uh, yeah. iteration on it. I, I know with with Atelier Riza two, it's more expansive in terms of the environment. Uh, Atelier Riza one, she's just in a small town pretty much the entire time. Everything is really kind of focused on on that. Where two, she's kind of moving up, moving out of the world, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, so it brings in a lot of different uh, narratively, narrative choices and whatnot. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think the combat's cool. The alchemy component is really, really cool. A lot of crafting, that sort of stuff. And um, I think visually it looks interesting. The, um, the, the, one, the one thing I have against it, and maybe that's why I haven't picked it up, or not picked up, maybe why I haven't jumped into it, is for some reason the 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 voiceover is kind of grating. It really kind of bothers me a little bit. So I think I just need to get past that, and I think I'll be okay. But it is definitely something I've been interested in playing for quite a while now. Yeah, it it uh, Atelier Rise of Two. It just looks like a very solid yeah uh, experience, kind of. Kind of like um, Yeast Eight, right? It's it's yeah. like one of those that are, 
are just solid, both one and two, score uh, well, uh, it, well enough. And where Yise is on the action RPG side of things, Atelier mm-hmm. is on the turn-based side of things. So it's, uh, yeah. So need to get around to that. And then uh, the last one, that's my fourth pick, is Final Fantasy Twelve: The Zodiac Age. And that's one, It typically I'm not keen on Final Fantasy games, uh, but after going through uh, last year, that sort of lineup of uh, Yatsumi Matsuno, Yasumi Matsuno, uh, games that he's made, the Tactics Ogre, Final Fantasy Tactics, yeah, uh, and uh, Vagrant Story. Just, just going through those games. This is another one of his games that he made, uh, that or directed and, and wrote uh, to a significant degree. So, I think I gotta play it and and get through it. And I saw my brother play play it and go through it. it there's definitely some dated gameplay in there yeah but he said storyline wise it's very different from the other final fantasies he says very well done so not just not just storyline wise i mean this is where they broke their own mold in terms of uh combat right so they they were strictly turn-based for for a very long time and then this is this is very this is what uh action time combat or yeah, 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 it, yeah, it's sort of like a hybrid of the two. It's it's hard to peg whether it's a action uh, combat system or a turn-based combat system. It, it's sort of very in-betweeny. It's very similar. They borrowed a lot of elements of Vagrant Story's combat system, uh, that design of it. Um, they borrowed elements from that and incorporated that into uh, the Zodiac Eight or Final Fantasy Twelve. So, yeah, um, that out of all the games I have lined up here, that's probably that one and Xenoblade, uh, the extra stuff on Xenoblade Definitive Edition, those two are probably the two most likely, with Final Fantasy XII probably being the most likely for me to get through uh, on my need to playlist. Yeah, Final Fantasy XII, I, I, although I never beat it, uh, completed it, it's, it's a really, really good game. I think, I think probably underrated, to be honest with you. Um, all right, cool. Now we have games that were maybe. Did you want to do looking forward to or favorites? It's up to you. Let's do favorites. All right. Do it. Now, See? now, I'm sorry. Before before we go on, these are our these are very subjective, right? These are subjective picks. These are not what we think are the the best. Uh, if that makes any sense, these are very subjective picks, um, and you'll you'll notice that with my picks <laughs> uh for certain um so yeah i just wanted to put that out there so uh for my four favorites for celebrating the four years of the switch my four favorite rpgs i mean number one I, we're, go- I would... we're going in order here Oh, for me, I'm going in order because right. my absolute number one is pretty easy. Uh, I mean, there's no question. Nothing even comes close to it. It's Breath of the Wild. That game is absolutely incredible. That's debatable. And it's debatable. There's there's no other game like it uh, that that sort of hit the nail on the head on, on all those elements. So 
I'm just going to say that everyone knows my opinion of Breath of the Wild at this point, but that is definitely my number one favorite. Uh, yeah. Uh, of the bunch of favorites, but I just—it's such a memorable experience. There, how about that? Man, you went right to number one, huh? What happened to building this up? Ah, anyway, well, that—that that to me wasn't a really a surprise. So I just felt like it is a surprise. There. I mean, if it were an RPG, it might be on my list, but it's not. All right, so um, my—I'm not going. I'm going four through one. Number one being the last one. Uh, okay. okay. Um. Number four is Battle Chasers Night War. Uh, Battle Chasers is probably my, I want to say this is the my initial, because this was, I want to say this is fairly early in the Nintendo Switch. I'd have to look that up. But it's just one of my earliest memories, aside from Breath of the Wild, of an RP, playing an RPG on the, on the Switch. Uh, it's a turn-based game uh, done, oh shoot, what the heck is the name of that company that does it? Man, now I can't remember. I I gotta I gotta look it up now. Oh, but they did Darksiders Genesis, airships in the my goodness I don't know why I could not think of that. Anyways, um, it's a turn based game. It's done in the same. It's done in a graphic novel kind of uh, aesthetic. At least the combat is the turn based is is. It's very straightforward, but the right the visually it just looks really cool. It does have a, a point in the game where there's a very big difficulty spike. But anyways, other than that, I think the game is really kind of good. Kind of my comfort food. It was just good. And I really, really enjoyed it. Oh. And that's all I got to say about that. So <laughs> another one of my top favorites uh on the switch uh hands down and i've talked about this game many many times is xenoblade chronicles 2 yes it's just absolutely incredible uh it made me cry twice uh uh which doesn't happen on on games it it just hit me with some very emotional moments uh for uh, uh at certain parts of the game and just incredible experience some of the best music in gaming just there's a lot of praise i can give to it but wow is that a fantastic rpg uh, and i would i strongly recommend that rpg to so many people just just whenever i possibly can if you haven't played xenoblade chronicles 2 give it a shot yeah and you will not be disappointed because that game is well done throughout just yeah. incredible i mean it does have its moments where the resolution or and the frame rate really kind of dip dip kind of low, but it does. This game is also on my list as well. That does not bother me one iota in this game. I absolutely love the combat and the in the way that it's brought on, uh, in terms of how the game just kind of naturally progresses. I love it, absolutely love the combat. On. Yeah, it just brings it all on, and then at the end, it it's just once you're you've been once you're accustomed to that combat it's just it feels like i'm almost playing a rhythm game <laughs> it's just that smooth um and it's like it's like a, a dance and man i just absolutely love the narrative in the game i i love the combat in the game the music is good it's visually really really good just everything about it is freaking phenomenal really really good so yeah that that was also 
uh, like I said, on my list. Um, so I guess I goes right back to you. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> this one is also kind of uh, a no-brainer. I've, I've talked about this at length with you on, on prior episodes. Just Fire Emblem Three Houses. It is, and I'm, I'm a big Fire Emblem fan ever since they started bringing Fire Emblem here to the States. I've gotten almost every single one of them and played and beat them. And this one, this is the Fire Emblem that came out, and and I went through it, and I... And I going through it and it didn't even take that long i realized like oh no one should ever play any of the prior fire emblems they should just play this one Mm -hmm. because this one is so much better than all the prior fire emblems that that it kind of makes them null and void wow (laughs) it just it just it just makes it, it just improves on on the gameplay experience and the overall presentation and the overall experience of what fire emblem could be and it just says here you go and and you play this one and there's you're never going to have a need to go back to earlier fire emblems right. and play them maybe for storyline stuff but other than that this one's going to give you the best bang for your buck both on storytelling on uh gameplay it doesn't really uh change the formula up too much fire emblem is a bit reserved on on sort of uh, battle and gameplay mechanics, but it yep. does offer enough different stuff, especially with the Gambit stuff, uh, that it changes up the formula a pretty good amount. And then uh, you just get the sort of grandiose maturity that's thrown in there, and then the immersion. That yeah. whole sort of Hogwarts castle being the teacher of a bunch of practitioners of magic and, and soldiers... That whole Harry Potter sort of aspect of Three Houses just really seals the deal mm-hmm. in there, and, and it sells that. And I, I don't think there's ever going to be a Harry Potter game that's going to be better than the Harry Potter experience <laughs> for Fire Emblem. And there is a Harry Potter game coming out. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe eventually. Who knows? No, there uh, is. A, they announced it. No, I know, but I think they're having problems with it. Uh, directors, oh. like people are leaving. It's just there's a lot of issues. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Fire Emblem Three Houses. I put a lot of time into it. Not nearly as much as you did. Um. But yeah, very good. Very good. Solid. Solid game. But not as good or solid as Golf Story. Sorry, Golf Story is. Man, I, I tell you, I've had I had so much fun with Golf Story that like there are some kind of uh like when you when you're playing the disc golf that kind of and the when you're controlling the drone in the game gets really tedious. But other than that, the writing is is freaking hilarious. The RPG situations or the, like the situations that you're put into to figure out how to golf your way out of it, out of things is so freaking good. And and so well thought out and and done that this is this is one that should everyone should play regardless if you're a fan of golf or not you should be playing Golf Story it is such a, a good and well done game pixel art um, art style never gets old classic classic how, how's classic the length game. on it it's fairly lengthy it's about twenty twenty hours or so I'd have I, to l- I have that I just never ended up playing it that's on one of those on my to-do list 
yeah, that you should be you should be playing that game. Um, main story is I'm just looking it up is 15 to 20 hours. So that that's a good that's a good experience right there. Yeah, very doable, and I can't wait to see what they what they have uh, with sports story where they're just gonna combine everything. I I don't know. They, it looks like they're mixing sports. It looks really interesting. So yeah, golf story. It's a it's it's a good one. It's a good one. What do you got? What else you got? All right. So for my fourth uh, little pick here of of favorite Switch RPGs, and this one, uh, some people might it, it might be on on sort of the the edge of RPG, but it's definitely an RPG when you play. It. I mean, Astral Chain is oh man, that game is incredible, absolutely incredible. It's just such a fun, awesome romp. And has the immersion experiences and storytelling experiences and sort of nuanced character development that you typically expect in RPGs. It has that. And it also has the over the top Hollywood uh, blockbuster action experiences and sequences. It also has that as well. And it's just an incredible romp. Uh, just just across the board, it, there's uh, multiple ways that you can sort of play through it. There's the story, the the whole story experience of it, which is actually kind of moving at times. Going through it, it's uh, it's nothing too crazy, but it's not a bad story. It's actually a, a uh, an interesting enough story that definitely gets you through it. You do get uh, invested in the elements that are going there, and there's enough curveballs to make you think like, oh. That's actually happening. Okay. Mm-hmm. Weird. And then it also gives you the the whole, you know, you are a cop. <laughs> you're walking the beat. You're picking up trash in the city <laughs> and all that stuff. So it's it's the it's the uh the detective police officer RPG action RPG experience that that yeah, kinda never knew you wanted. And that's yeah, what I- is yeah, I I still need to play through through that one. I think I'm I'm I I didn't I wasn't able to put much time into it, but it's one of those those games that we talked about earlier that are visually just just stunning. You know, it just yeah. looks so so good. The combat is well thought out, well done, um, and it also kind of layers that um, combat as you progress. So, yep, um, in a in a very big way, it, it, there's five different chimeras. And each chimera is a very different move set and uh, has different abilities. And you unlock that as you go, nice and slow. Then each of those chimeras have their own skill trees that mm-hmm. you can flesh out. And yeah, there's there's a lot of depth into the game that that even when you beat it, there's still more to do in there. And it gives you more to do after you beat the game itself. You can go back to earlier segments and sort of get a better score okay. on on different missions, uh, and and just being in the world is interesting. And talking yeah. to the NPCs and and doing like little side quests and stuff like that, it's just fun. Yeah. Just silly, but serious. Just fun romp. Yeah, I'll get to it at some point, and it, it's not terribly long. I think it's like twenty or thirty hours or something like that. I would put it in the 30 hour range. Yeah. Um, 20, 20. I mean, you, you definitely could beat it in less than 20. 
uh, but you'd have to get into like speedy territory if if you're beating it in twenty hours. Who wants to do that? Yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this game. Um, this game I've I've talked about it a bajillion times. It's one of my favorite RPGs ever. Never mind that it's on the Switch now. Uh, Divinity Original Sin Two. I absolutely adore this game. I've played through it three times. It's one of the very few games that I've played multiple times, and every time it's different. You know, I've played. You can you can have so many different builds and play styles. It's just man, the story is. I wish the story was a little bit better. Um, but either way, it's just it's such a good. I love the combat in the game. It's a strategy again. Uh tactical rpg with with a lot of nuance i think i think there's a lot of nuance there oh man such a, a lovely game the voice acting is is done really well it ru- it runs really well on the switch phenomenally well considering what it's what it's coming from you know it comes from the pc world initially and then onto console and then ported over to the switch it's just such a such a good game amazing game yeah and and i think the problem with with recommending divinity original sin 2 uh to anyone is that you have to be kind of it, it is a challenging game especially at first uh, i think that deters a lot of people also the the style of game right it's a you know not many not everybody's into the tactical rpgs but it's a i consider almost like a turn turn-based rpg more than a tactical um rpg but Either way. Okay. That is our favorite Nintendo Switch RPGs. Now... Our, our four favorite. Four favorites. Uh, now we look into the futures. We're looking into the future. Some really close future and some very distant... Very distant. <laughs> future. Um, who knows? Maybe these games will be on like a super... Switch or Super Nintendo Switch or whatever it's called, the new iteration, yep. uh, or the, not not new iteration, not but like kind of interim model, whatever you want to call it, like the so, like the like they did with the 3DS, like the new 3DS. And and this is where the hype factor kicks in real good because these are the the four games that each of us individually are yeah. looking forward to the yeah. most. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's some overlap. I mean, I'm excited with some of the games that you're coming out with, and you may or may not even understand the games that I'm coming out with here. Um, but I think there's some, there's definitely some overlap here. But let, let's uh, let's hit your list. All right. So surprise, surprise. Uh, and this is a very recent one that's coming out very very soon, and we just talked about it. It's Monster Hunter Rise. I am totally looking forward to this. I am so excited. Just I love the Monster Hunter series, and this one, just from playing the demo, seeing what they've... Just from the very first reveal that they did last year, that was enough for me to, yeah. to really sell me on it. Because it, it def- I recognized that there was some unique stuff going on there with the weird wire bug stuff that I didn't really understand and how they were doing that. And I'm like, oh, that's different. Uh, <laughs> that looks yeah. cool. Yeah. And yeah. Totally on board, ready to hunt some monsters, and it's they're not they weren't cutting any quarter uh corners with this one. So it's the full it's a full blown 
chock full, just stuffed. Yeah, not not only are they not cutting corners, they're like piling on. Like there's just a lot, a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. you, you know what I mean? This this is gonna be like a 200 hour <laughs> romp. I can I can already tell. I'm gonna dump so much time into Monster Hunter Rise. So. Oh, and, and what's great about it is it, it can be brought anywhere. Whereas before you were tied to like not before, but like you know with Monster Hunter World, you were tied to. You know, you're tethered that, to the wall, basically. That is a very good point. Uh, so other Monster Hunter games have been on systems where you can sort of do the wireless local co-op, uh, being on portables and whatnot. And Monster Hunter World, as you said, it didn't offer that sort of local co-op play. But with Rise and the nature of the Switch, that is back. Yeah. So you we... You can actually do, and I have done in the past, basically Monster Hunter land parties. Yeah. And I am totally down for making that happen again. Yeah, that's that's that could definitely be a thing. Definitely be a thing. Um, jumping on top of the Monster Hunter bandwagon, I have Monster Hunter Story Two. Uh, we, we've kind of went over it previously in this episode, but I mean the the game visually looks like um, visually looks good. Okay. Uh, not only that, it looks more like an adult, not adult themed, but not as um, geared towards a younger audience. It looks like it's geared towards a maybe a broader audience, a more general audience. And, and I think I think it looks like it's going to be it's going to be a solid, solid game. Um, I'm really, really kind of excited for it. So uh, and, and, and again, it might be just the hype that Capcom has been kind of jamming down our throats, but it does look like it's going to be good. Yep. What else you got? So the next one I'm looking forward to, and this is purely based on, so this is a sequel to a game that has been dormant. I didn't even realize it was a franchise. Uh, In this game, the original game, excellent. It's The World Ends With You. Yep. When it released on the DS. And they announced uh, not too long ago the the 3D sequel uh, of Neo: The World Ends with You, and I cannot wait. There's it's they are taking things very differently because uh, The World Ends with You was very heavily based on the touch controls yeah. that it operated, especially in the combat uh, and the nature of the DS with with the dual screen setup. It also utilize a lot of that so they're gonna have to change things up on neo uh too <laughs> but, uh, but i'm i'm excited for it because the first game was so good and this is an opportunity to develop a another world uh, the world ends with you experience from the ground up for the system that it is posed poised to be released on so i'm i'm excited for it i'm cautious definitely cautious on this one but you know this is one i will be eyeballing yeah i'm wondering if they'll bring in a new aspect um to the game like for example like you had mentioned the touch controls maybe they'll bring in more motion stuff or like something something else but the combat system's already from what they've shown it's already completely different yeah uh, where where the original was side scroll and you swiped across the screen in order okay. to engage in combat. And on this one, it's a 3D, third-person, 3D, I'm guessing the camera might be mapped to the right stick kind of thing. So uh, 
it's it's more of a an arena type of 3D environment that you're engaged in combat. So that alone just makes it very very different. Yeah, it's more more traditional, not traditional in sense of what they what they typically do or have done. All right, cool. Uh, I I mentioned Golf Story as being one of my favorites. I have to be looking forward to Sports Story, right? Gotta be, right? And and I do have a feeling it's it's coming out this year. I really have a strong feeling about that. Now, I think, um, uh, again, I think the writing is going to be there. It's going to be kind of, it's going to be, have witty, smart, funny writing. I think they just got to do the combination mishmash of sports correctly. They're also adding in dungeons at this point. I don't know what that is going to entail, but they're doing dungeons. Um, the music, uh, uh, typically, or what has was done in Golf Story, it's it was okay, uh, kind of fanfare type of type of stuff. Really, kind of tra- what you would think would be traditional golf music, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, really, nothing fantastical in in that aspect. Uh, but I, I'm interested in seeing how they, how, what situations they put you in because that's generally what the golf story is just like the situations it was really kind of kind of good kind of funny uh so yeah sports story coming out soon yeah so another one i am looking forward to is uh i see (laughs) and and this one isn't even the i hope it isn't the final name oh god no Project Triangle Strategy, just a terrible, terrible project name, but it's a project. It's a, it's a working title. Hopefully, <laughs> working is the key, uh, and and they're gonna change it up to something. But it's, uh, the the name of the game is just like so on the nose. It's like, <laughs> that, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, okay, we got the three stories. Triangle. All right, it's a strategy game. Triangle Strategy. That's the name. Like. Yep. And this is the project we're working on. So there yeah, we go. yeah. Oh, God. But uh, playing through the demo, the and and I guess the demo is like it might be leaning on proof of concept type of territory. I don't know because they they've got a story in there. Yes, yeah. it's there, and and it seems like it's an excerpt from some early middling type of uh, chapter. What was it? it? Was like chapter six and seven? Right. Uh, the demo was or something like that. So uh, that is interesting. The way it plays out seems like it's going to play out a bit more. The the sort of the meta, the flow of the meta game is going to probably going to be in the on the lines of Fire Emblem, mm-hmm. where you're sort of uh, you're looking at the overworld map and then you're choosing points and then uh, story segments or battle segments or some combination uh, of those happen in there. But there is. Lots of new and interesting things that are happening in that game, especially with the story, with that whole influencing your party members and making important decisions aspect of things and having very different, very branching narratives that could potentially occur. All of those things combined with the uh, very interesting combat system that's running on the same sort of graphical praise that we give to Octopath Traveler, that same sort of yeah. uh, Unreal 3 sort of HD 2D uh, graphics that they have going on there. It's very stylistic, looks incredible. I'm guessing it's going to have great music. Uh, and it's got tactics 
style gameplay for the combat system, which is already puts it on an echelon above pretty much all other traditional JRPGs. Because <laughs> you add that extra uh, complexity of movement and positioning on top of the turn-based com- traditional combat that you get right. in tactic games, that it just adds that extra nuance, and I, I just that's what makes that genre, that tactical strategy. Uh, RPG type of genre just so fun and engaging to play. Mm-hmm. So it's got all the things there to right. really make it fantastic. So I just can't wait for that one. Hopefully, it uh, they they do well by it and they don't uh, they don't octopath it. Oh please no! I have a feeling this like I think they said twenty twenty two for a release window. I guess. Yeah, I, I, I think. I think it might be early 2022. I, I feel like this this game is a lot more polished than just having a first demo out like this. Unless they drastically change things, which I don't feel like they need to drastically change things. So, who knows? I guess based on those surveys, right, that they get. Yeah, could it there was bugs in there. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that stuff can be, you know, is more easily fixed than, you know, reinventing the entire game or the, the wheel or, or of sorts, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I think, now you mentioned Fire Emblem, the the one huge difference that I, I that I will prefer triangle strategy, whatever it is, um, is are the relationships you build are not on a intimate level i guess you could call it they're more on a uh, kind of uh you know objective level do you know what i mean where you're building relationships in triangle strategy it seems anyways that you're gonna you're building those relationships to further advance a cause or you know of some sort that sort of thing yeah it, it's it's more i would say less relationship and more about influence influence or politics or whatever yeah, yeah. politics yep yeah very very cool. I I I also can't I can't would not wait for that game. I want that game here so badly. Um. All right. Next on my list, I have Eastward. Eastward is is again. It's another pixel art game, but it's done with dynamic lighting, which I absolutely love when they when introduce these things into pixel art. Again, Octopath does it. Triangle Strategy does it. There are a few others that that do it as well. Um, I think it just adds that extra little something to pixel art games that that is makes it refreshing. Um, but Eastward is it's an action RPG. Seems like it's fairly straightforward. I was able to play a little bit on there was like a Steam event or summer thing where they they released a demo for it. And um, yeah, it's it's a fairly straightforward action RPG and. Um, yeah, the, the music for it is, is really, really good in, in what they, what they do. It, it, take a look at, I, I'm going to do a little self-promotion here. I did do a spotlight video, um, and Joel Korolitz, uh, he's the composer. He also did use the composer for Death Stranding as well. So he also did Earth, uh, I'm sorry, Eastward. So the the music sound the soundtrack for it is actually really good as well um and it's really inspired by some a lot of the anime that you see out there uh specifically uh shoot what the heck is that name it's escaping me anyway um it's it's a it looks really cool i think visually it looks really really good so yeah, yeah, and i have a feeling it's coming out this year as well 
they they announced that about a year ago, maybe. Yeah, ago. yeah. Well, it's a it was a it's a studio in China. It's a Chinese developed uh, game, and they were hardest hit, I guess, um, for this this uh, the sickness that we recently uh, are dealing with worldwide. Um, and in particular, this studio was uh, really hit hard because they ended up having to move a lot of their stuff. Um, they they just had to deal with a lot of different stuff, so the game was just delayed um, for a little bit. But I have a feeling it's coming out this year. So yeah, that's my number three. So the last but not least game that I am looking forward to, and this is a sequel. Mm-hmm. And what better mm-hmm. game to look forward to than a sequel to the game that launched on the day of the release of the Switch, and that is Breath of the Wild 2. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, just by the nature of Breath of the Wild being the greatest game ever, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, I mean, I mean, it can, it could do better. It could do worse. But if it does worse, like, you're doing worse than the greatest of all time. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still going to be great, like, unless they really flub it. And they've been working on this game for four years now, officially, four years. Right. And by the time it releases, we're talking four years and certainly more for development time. That is more time that they put into between Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. And we know they're using the same engine. Yeah, yeah. So that that's gotta help, right? Yeah, absolutely. So they are they are really working hard on this, and I actually think it is not that far off. It could land this year. Could. So that would. Yeah. So that would be five years into development. Um, not five. Yeah, a little over over four for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and it. Or it could land sometime next year. If it lands next year, then now we're getting into five years of development on a game when Breath of the Wild itself was right around that uh, five years of development as well. So, yeah. I mean, seeing as how they already have an engine and they already have some, some degree of semblance on what worked really well for Zelda and the fact that they're taking this long, it just makes me wonder, like, what are they including in this? I hope they don't mess around with it too much, though. Um, I, 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 I have a feeling they might add some co-op or not multiplayer, but just co-op with Zelda and Link. I hope they, if they do that, they don't make it so uh, immersion breaking. So kind of like, um, I don't know. I hope it just doesn't ruin the experience, basically. Of having the two characters like that. It could be uh, a mechanic where an AI controls Zelda. Right, but uh, if that or, if that AI is just not done well, I, that's where I worry. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but but it could be an AI, and mm-hmm. then there's a switch character button. And then yeah. you hit that button, and now you're constantly flipping, and now the AI, you control Zelda, and the AI controls Link. And then it has that sort of, uh, hey, someone else has their own switch. They can control, yeah. and now they're doing co-op partner style. Almost uh, like what they did with um, with Luigi and Luigi's Mansion. You can have yes, that sort exactly. of gameplay mechanic, you know. Yep. And that could be the case. I don't know if they would actually go down that route. Having Zelda's being playable, that could be a very real possibility. Yeah. But making it to the point of co-op 
Uh, that part, I'm not too certain of. Uh, so we'll just wait and see. The one thing I am hoping that they include in this is more of the traditional style dungeons. Yeah. But also matching the the uh, the sort of evolution and and the the freedom of the newer style dungeons. So I want the newer style dungeons and how open those dungeons were, the the divine beasts, but yep. also making them more bigger, more complex and intricate, like the older dungeons, but without the sort of here's the room, solve the puzzle in the room, yeah, kind of thing where where I want it to be bigger, more grand, so and just more of them, more more divine beast dungeons. You might be asking for too much, Johnny. I don't know. The, that last, uh, the fifth Divine Beast was actually kind of getting towards that that balance of Divine Beast and traditional dungeon. Okay. So that it, it was getting closer to that. So uh, I would say more like that, just just more dungeon. So yeah, I I think adding more to the complexity of the dungeon would probably be. Pretty cool. I, I would I would accept that. I just don't want them to stray too much from from what they have, right? To 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 kind of deter them what like what from what is a masterpiece, basically. I think in both of our eyes, it's really it's a masterpiece that I just don't want them to take away from that too much. Yeah, uh, but they they got to do something different. Like I, to go to go through the same world. That's not no. gonna work. No, they can't. I mean, you you have this you have this component right of now Zelda's here and with you. You do you know what I mean? So that that adds that can add, you know, the, the it's just endless things. You know, who knows? Yep, big giant question mark on that. And so. Now we're down to the last game that you are looking forward to. Yes, the last game. I am a, a big um, Path of Exile fan, right? Path of Exile is uh, clearly inspired by Diablo 2. And now we're getting a Diablo 2 remastered game, which may in fact be better than Path of Exile. What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Just already calling that like it's Diablo two. It, it runs exactly the same, except it's literally better looking. Yeah. Oh man, and you're I, already like sorry, Path of Exile. Man, I feel so bad. I mean, I put in a lot of time with Path of Exile, so I mean, it's only right that I do, you know, Diablo two some justice, right, and put in some time there. Um, yeah, I cannot wait for Diablo two. It just looks so good. Um, yeah. it, it's got the same, you know, it's got the same soundtrack. That's because it was done so good and, and you know, visually, it, yeah, like I said, it just looks so good. Um, I just can't wait to get into those dungeons and freaking just get loots and man. And experience good Diablo storytelling. Yeah. At it, you know, right. Diablo two storytelling at its best, uh, yeah, basically. And, and not get you know this this poorly written poorly delivered aesthetic that was diablo 3 yeah you know you, you know a lot of people hate diablo 3 and i don't i don't mind it um i definitely think it was just more of a um, simplified version of whatever diablo 2 was um 
definitely strayed away from what they they hit out of the park with Diablo two. Yeah. Um, I, I I think the biggest problem with Diablo three was they went too over the top on visual flair and sort of character yeah. power, whereas Diablo two and and definitely one. It was more grounded and realistic. We're talking mm. like Diablo three was like high fantasy, and Diablo two and one were essentially like Dark Souls style low fantasy. Yeah, like very dark fantasy. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Dark Souls is has elements of high fantasy, but Diablo two that's still it's very low fantasy. Things were still very physical, yeah. and the mysticism and magic were not so extreme right and I'm, I'm hoping that they they learn they learn from this and that's what we're going to see with diablo 4 uh whenever we we see that but oh, um we've seen it. yeah it's just i don't know did we see enough of it though uh yeah uh there is a lot they're still working on it pretty heavily but yeah there's there's a lot of diablo 4 and they are taken some cues right the the sort of darker immersion in mood of an atmosphere of diablo 2 you can definitely see that in diablo 4 like mm-hmm. they're definitely paying attention to that aspect however when it comes to a more grounded less powerful feeling or, or less power capable characters the characters still seem, even at low level, they still seem very powerful, uh, a little bit too powerful and too capable. Uh, and that sort of, that detracts from sort of the, the fear factor of Diablo 1 and 2, right? It was yeah. scary going down into the dungeons because your character was uh, less capable than what you were in Diablo 3. Right. Yeah, I'm now now that I'm I'm actually watching the gameplay trailer of Diablo 4 and yeah, I do remember um I remember changing into uh, them changing into a bear and whatnot. Um uh, but they they definitely I I feel like they've learned from what they did in Diablo 3. Um yeah. and maybe slightly turning towards what they did in Diablo 2 but not making that full turn there. Yeah. But yeah. It does look like in in between uh, so far of Diablo two and Diablo three. It does look yeah. like some some hybrid in between of the two, which is good. It, that's a good direction, because uh, yeah, when Diablo two did it best, like, and Diablo three did it worse, you start heading back towards Diablo two, and that's what they're doing in Diablo four and Diablo two, resurrected, is getting us uh, a retaste of what made the Diablo franchise so spectacular. Yeah, yeah. And and it's including, like, all the DLC. Like, it's got a bunch of stuff. That That's another game I cannot wait. Again, join us in the Discord community. We'll be putting some servers up for some multiplayer there as well. Uh, yeah, cannot wait. Can't wait for Diablo 2. Are, are you going to roll hardcore? No. No, I fall in love. I fall in love with my characters. I can't. I can't do it. You can't do it. It, 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 it depends, right? It, it'll depends. If I really get the flow of it going, I'll make a hardcore character. Like, if I feel really confident. I generally don't feel confident in, in these games. I don't know why. 
it you know hardcore does work in when you're doing multiplayer it it can work pretty well it also sucks really bad in multiplayer <laughs> when when one party member dies no, <laughs> and, now man. and now they're gone and you either have to power level their new character all the way up again or or you say sayonara or everyone rolls new characters yeah that's so that's so tough man that is so tough like even seasonal characters i have a hard time with with that as well i I think though they've they've changed where seasonal characters you can continue to play them as just like a normal character but you know i don't know i just fall in love with my characters can't do it i'm with it i'm with it all <sighs> that whole crew was it? it's seven seven classes right yeah and each, each one of them just really fun and interesting to play the assassin was very different from the druid the druid is very different from the necromancer the amazon was very different from the sorceress and the barbarian was different from all of them like just yeah they all have then, the intricacies and then the paladin uh just just interesting stuff there because the paladin can essentially heal Mm-hmm. You can you can do a healing build, which is only really effective in in co-op. In support, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man, so yeah. What did you guys think of our lists? What do you guys think? Uh, that's gonna wrap up today's episode of the Switch RPG podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and remember to send in any questions or comments uh, to podcast at switchrpg.com. You can listen to the show each and every week at switchrpg.com, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app if you listen on an app please give us a rating and review we want to climb up them chats on those platforms so your support there would be amazing and finally remember you can head over to switchrpg.com for all your rpg needs on the nintendo switch see you next time